0: Welcome back to Kingdom Girl. I hope you enjoyed the last episode. Um, I think this is the fifth episode. If you've not listened to the previous ones, please run as fast as you can. Get you some of these episodes and listen in. Since I've never been on radio or TV as a presenter, I've only been hosted. The podcast idea is something the spirit put on my heart and he has made it a point to make sure he facilitates it. And I am learning on the job. So where you find some glitches, some sound issues, I want you to know we are going from glory to glory. The latter glory and the former glory, you will be able to distinguish. My name is Zabuli and let's just dive in. Haha. Uh-huh. I decided uh, to start a series about a book I read and I felt like people need to know about it. So I'm going to be reading uh, the book and basing my understanding of where I am, what I understand from the book and what I feel the spirit is leading me to say from what he's teaching me in this book. So welcome to the First Official. Book reading, I think it's book club. I don't know. Either way, this is Kingdom Girl. The book we're doing is That Incredible. This, that it's sorry, <laughs> That Incredible Christian by A.W. Toza. It turns out I love this guy's work. I do. This book was written in 1964. Like, seriously, 1964. Hey, <laughs> Father, I pray that 80 a hundred years from today. Mm-hmm, I am able to walk like men I read about. Mm-hmm. I pray that I stay that long. Anyway, let's dive in. So let me just read through the introduction. It says someone said that while W A, uh, while Doctor A W Toza always sought <coughs> to introduce sinners to. Their savior, he longed to help saints to see the greatness of God and experience the life of victory and joy through surrender and faith. This theme recognized God for who he is, giving him the worship and honor due him. Was particularly dominant in Dr. Tauzo's letter writings. To know God requires, first of all, a right relationship to him. It requires, and this we must give, it requires faith and knowledge, this God gives as we humbly seek Him. And because we cannot know God apart from the illuminating Holy Spirit, we must welcome Him, allowing Him to indwell and possess us. The reader will find each chapter in this book complete in itself, and one may speak to to, to Him more than another. There is, however, progression and greater profit will come from at least one consecutive reading the chapters are selected to instruct the heart that seeks to follow on to know the Lord such a life may not be always easy but at the, at the last it will be all that really matters I am telling you you're in for a ride for a ride so I by the time we are done with this you will be telling somebody you read the book for the first time and you liked it. So let's dive in. <coughs> that is me setting up and I'm not deleting anything like this. Anyway, this is chapter one. The current effort so many religious leaders... The current effort so many religious leaders to harmonize Christianity with science, philosophy, and every natural and reasonable thing is, I believe the result of failure to understand Christianity. And judging from what I believe, from what I have heard and read, failure to understand science and philosophy as well. Mm -hmm. At the heart of the Christian system lies the cross of Christ with its divine paradox. The power of Christianity appears in its antipathy toward never in its agreement with the ways of fallen men. The truth of the cross is revealed in its contradictions. The witness of the church is most effective when when she declares rather than explains. For the gospel is addressed not to reason but to faith. What can be proved requires no faith to accept. Yes, sir. Faith rests upon the character of God, not upon the demonstrations of laboratory or logic. The cross in bold opposition to the natural man. The cross stands in bold opposition to the natural man. Its philosopher runs contrary to the process of the unregenerate mind, so that Paul could say bluntly that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. To try to find the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Okay, that's the one I just read. To try to find a common ground between the message of the cross and man's fallen reason is to try the impossible. And if persisted, it must result in an impaired reason, a meaningless cross and a powerless Christianity. But let us bring the whole matter down from the uplands of theory and simply observe the Christian as he puts into practice the teachings of Christ and his apostles. Note the contradictions. The Christian believes that in Christ he has died. Yet, lie, yet he is more alive than before. And he, and he fully expects to live forever. He walks on earth while seated in heaven. And though born on earth he finds that after his conversion... He is not at home here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like the night hawk, which in the air is the essence of grace and beauty, but on the ground is awkward and ugly. So the Christian appears at his best in the heavenly places, but does not fit well into the ways of the very society into which he was born. The Christian soon learns that if he would be victorious as a son of heaven among men on earth, he must not follow them common pattern of mankind but rather the contrary that he may be safe he puts himself in jeopardy he loses his life to save it and is in danger of losing it if he attempts to preserve it he goes down to get up if he refuses to to go down he is already down but when he starts down he is on his way up he is strongest when he is weakest and weakest when he is strong. Though poor, he has the power to make others rich. But when he becomes rich, his ability to enrich others vanishes. He has most after, he has given most away, and has least when he possesses most. (laughs) He must be, and often, in highest when he feels lowest, and most sinless when he is most conscious of sin. He is wisest when he knows that he knows not and knows least when he has acquired the greatest amount of knowledge. He sometimes goes does, does most by doing nothing and goes farthest when standing still. In heaviness, he manages to rejoice and keeps his heart glad, even in sorrow. The paradoxical character of a Christian is revealed constantly. For instance, he believes that he is saved now. Nevertheless, he expects to be saved later and looks forward joyfully to future salvation. He fears God, but is not afraid of him. (laughs) In God's presence, he feels overwhelmed and undone. Yet there is nowhere he would rather be than in, in that presence. He knows that he has been cleansed from his sin, yet he is painfully conscious that in his flesh dwells no good thing. He loves supremely one whom he has never seen, and though himself poor and lowly, he talks familiarly with one who is king of all kings and lord of all lords, and is aware of no incongruity in so doing. He feels that he is in his own right altogether less than nothing, yet he believes without question that he is the apple of God's eye, and that for him, the eternal Son became, became flesh and died on the cross of Shem. The Christian is a citizen of heaven, and to that sacred citizenship he acknowledges first allegiance. Yet he may love his earthly country with that intensity of devotion that caused George Knox to pray, O oh God, give me Scotland, or I die. He cheerfully expects before long to enter that bright world above but he is in in no hurry to leave this world and is quite willing to await the summons of his heavenly father and he is unable to understand why the critical unbeliever should condemn him for this it all seems so natural and right in the circumstances that he sees nothing inconsistent about about it the cross-carrying Christian, furthermore is both a confirmed pessimist and an optimist the like of which is to be found nowhere else on earth. When he looks at the cross, he is a pessimist, for he knows that the same judgment that fell on the Lord of glory condemns in that one act all nature and all the world of men. He rejects every human hope out of Christ because he knows that man's noblest effort is only dust building on dust. Yet he is calmly, restfully optimistic. If the cross condemns the world, the resurrection of Christ guarantees the ultimate triumph of God throughout the universe. Through Christ, all will be well at last, and the Christian awaits the consummation. Incredible Christian. That is the end of chapter 1. I tell you, I, I'm reading it again because I read it already. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and I feel like these are words I could read every day. Like Christianity seems like a confusing way of life. What is seen as wrong in one chapter is seen as right in the other. It doesn't necessarily one thing mean that one thing is wrong or the other is right. It just means where the one truth ends is where the next truth <laughs> starts, yes? So when you, when, you, when you talk about life, like, I fear God, but I'm not afraid of him. That doesn't make sense to a man who is not of the spirit of God. But I'm, it makes sense to me. Like, I love God, and I fear him. But that love he has for me, the love I have for him, doesn't allow me to be afraid Of him but then again I fear him that's one of the lines that stand out for me I mean like imagine a life where you (laughs) you walk in and out at the same time and it makes sense at the same time I'll tell you an example sometimes I'll be having a conversation with a friend of mine and we're talking about these deep things about the spirit realm and God and the goodness of God, we are testifying to each other, we are basically uh, fellowshipping together, and at the same time the spirit of God is fellowshipping with me, away from what my friend is saying, but in the same moment does that even make sense? because that's what exactly I'm trying to talk about and this is going to be a beautiful journey I promise you, because if you, if you read through uh, lines like um, let, let me just see some of the things that stand out for me um to try to find a common ground between the messages of the cross and man's fallen reason is to try to to try the impossible, and if persisted in ma- it, it, in, it must result in an impaired season, a meaningless cross and a powerless Christianity. But let us bring the whole matter down from the uplands of theory and simply observe the true Christian as he puts into practice the teachings of Christ and his uh, apostles. These are the contradictions I read to you earlier, right? And I'm telling you, salvation was not called to to be tested in the laboratory of your thoughts and ideas. But when you really closely walk close to God, the laboratory that tests the truth of what salvation is, the word of God, in conjunction or in agreement with the laboratory of life you're living. I'll tell you the truth. This is beautiful right? I can add to this or take away from it but I feel like I will be robbing you of an opportunity to understand a lot of things that are this I mean this is 1961. Men of old like A.W. Tozo were already putting the. I mean, these are the same truths that are still here today. If you care enough to know where we come from, why. And I'm I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking about after the Bible came out, the people who lived before us, the generals who walked the life that we aspire to live according to, you know. And I wanted to go ahead and read chapter two. They are short, they are short. I am not even gonna do a lot of explaining. But, you know, you can always get back to me and tell me what you think. So this is chapter 2. It's called Time Cannot Help Us. Mm? Are you ready? Are you ready? Because I'll I'll be reading as many chapters as possible. At least I'll be taking 30 minutes of your time. That way we can read this book as fast as possible. Let's go. Chapter 2. Sin has done frightful things to us and its effect upon us is all the more deadly because we were born in it and are scarcely aware of what is happening to us. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. One thing sin has done to us is to confuse our values so that we can only with difficulty distinguish a friend from a foe, or tell for certain what is and what is not good for us. Mm -hmm. Let's go together. Today I'm going to be talking in between what I read. That way I don't lose my train of thoughts. Uh The book goes on to say we walk in a world of shadows where real things appear unreal and things of no consequence are sought after as eagerly as if they as if they were made of the very gold that paves the streets of the city of God. Oh, Lord have mercy. Our ideas rarely accord with things as they are. Mm -hmm. Work with me here. But are distorted by a kind of moral astigmatism that throws everything out of focus. Through a multitude of errors, our thought of philosophy is out of line. Somewhat, as our mathematics would be hard. We learned the multiplication table wrongly and not been able of our mistake. And we are not rather aware of our mistake, sorry. Our false concept to which we cling tenaciously is time. Oh boy, I'm about to destroy what you think about time by this man's work. This man had the spirit of God. Let's go. Let's read. Let's go ahead. Just bear with me. I'm excited about what I'm I'm reading for you, you know. We think of it as being a sort of viscid substance flowing onward like a sluggish river, bearing upon uh, its bosom nations and empires and civilizations and men. We visualize this sticky stream as an entity and ourselves as helplessly stuck in it for as long as our earthly lives endure. Mm -hmm. That is sad. Okay, (coughs) okay, By a simple shift in our thinking, we picture time as a revealer of the shape of things to come. <laughs> Stay with me. As when we say, time will, will tell. Or we imagine it a benign physician and comfort ourselves with the thought that time is a great healer. All this is so much a part of us that it will be too much to expect that the habit of referring everything to time could ever be broken are you still with me because it's about to be more fun Mm -hmm. let's go yet we may guard against the harm that such thinking carries with it Mm -hmm. the most harmful mistake we make concerning time is that it has somehow a mysterious power to perfect human nature we say of a foolish young man time will make him wiser Mm -hmm. Oh, we see a new Christian acting like anything but a Christian and hope that time will someday turn him into a saint. Oh my God. This is sweet stuff. The truth is that time has no more power to sanctify a man than space has. Hello. Indeed, time is only a a fiction by which we account for change. It is change, not time that turns fools into wise men and sinners into saints. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm going to repeat it, it says. <laughs> Indeed, time is only a fiction by which we account for change. It is change, not time, that turns fools into wise men and winners into, sinners into saints. One more accurately, Or more accurately, it is Christ who does the whole thing by means of the changes he works in the heart. Hallelujah, somebody. Isn't this better than a day you're watching movies? Oh, tell your friends there is a new podcast called Kingdom Girl. Let's go. So the persecutor became Paul the servant of God, but time did not make the change. Did you hear that? So the persecutor became Paul the servant of God, but time did not make the change. What made the change? Let's read and see. Christ wrote the miracle, the same Christ who once changed water into wine. One spiritual experience followed another in fairly rapid succession until the violent soul became a gentle God, a nomad soul, ready to lay down his life for the faith he once hated. It. Is It should be obvious that time had no part in the making of the man of God. My purpose in writing this little piece is not to engage in an exercise of semantics, but to alert my readers to the injury they may suffer from an unfounded confidence in time. (laughs) God bless you, A.W. Toza. Let's go ahead. Because a Moses and a Jacob lost the impulsive headstrong sins of their youth in their old age, became gentle, mellow saints. We tend to, make it, to take it for granted that time wrought the transformation, but it is not so. God, not time, makes saints. Human nature is not fixed, and for this we should thank God day and night. I think I justify and I'm grateful for that. We are still capable of change. We can become something other than what we are by the power of a gospel. The covetous in the covetous may become generous. The egotist, lowly in his own eyes. The thief may learn to steal no more. The blasphemer to fill his mouth with praises unto God. But it is Christ who does it all. Time has nothing to do with that. Many a lost man is putting off the day of salvation vaguely, hoping that time is on his side. When actually the likelihood of this ever becoming a Christian, of him of, of his ever becoming a Christian grows less day by day. And why? Because the changes taking place in him are hardening his will and making it even more and more difficult for him to repent. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. Him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And sometimes we read these scriptures and we leave them hanging, or oh, we understand them, but with one wing, there is a chapter ahead called The Truth Needs Two Wings to Fly. I cannot wait. Oh, let me not get you excited. Where were we, we were reading the, the book? <laughs> I'm sorry there's just something about knowing truth the truth there's just something about coming into the same room with the knowledge of the cross watching it grow wings and fly watching it uh, grow and crawl and run and just learn to walk on its own as you've understood it. This is its happening. I've, I'm reading this book for the second time but it's like I'm reading it for the first time and I'm excited for you who is listening to it for the first time. Ah, where are we, are we? See, we said, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man in his thoughts. Unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him into our God, for he will abundantly pardon. See, the change words in this text are seek, call, forsake, return. They are seek, call, that is on your part, and forsake. And This is on your part. You seek God, you call on God, you forsake your sin, and you return who you used to be or who you're supposed to be that the fallenness in you had robbed the book continues to say these all denote specific changes the returning sinner must make in himself acts that he must perform but this is not enough Mm -hmm. have mercy pardon these are things these are changes God makes in and for the man To be saved, the man must change and be changed. Mm -hmm. To be saved, the man must change. This is you choosing to be different, to reform, to be transformed and be changed. The part where you're changed is now after the end of you, God comes in to take whatever bits of remains or whatever pieces or uh, broken bones you're giving him and then He transforms that into what it is supposed to be. What the enemy robbed because of the sin. One man led us into Adam. And it is still one man Christ who leads us back into the righteousness. So to be saved, the man must change. You voluntarily choose it. And be changed and you allow God to change whatever you have given him as you've accepted to change. Mm -hmm. So, to enter the kingdom of God, our Lord explained, a man must be born again. John 3, chapter 3, from verse verse 3 to uh, verse 7. That is, he must undergo a spiritual change. This accords completely with the preaching of John the Baptist, who called upon his bearers to prepare repentance. That's repentance. And with the apostle Peter, who reminded the early Christians they had been made partakers of the divine nature and had escaped the corruption the world had suffered by lust. the initial change however is not the only one that redeemed man redeemed man will know his whole Christian life will consist of a succession of changes this is a continuous process a continuous class a continuous growth (laughs) moving always towards spiritual perfection so, see Jesus is perfect we are fallen human beings when we come into a place where we accept Jesus we start to be transformed one bit of us at a time sometimes some bits have to be retransformed again because the depth of their messiness requires a double dose and a double portion and sometimes what, 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 what you struggled with at a 10% when you start coming into a knowledge of who you are You start noticing you thought it's 10%, but it's 100%. So God has to help you to heal all the way to 0%. Mm -hmm. To achieve these changes, the Holy Spirit uses various means. Probably the most effective being the writings of the New Testament. Time can help us only if we know that it cannot help us at all. Mm. Let me see if I can even explain this. Time can help us only if we know that it cannot help us. Time can help us. We can rely on time to teach us to understand a lot if we can know that time can't be the help we need. Time can help us only if we know that it cannot help us at all. It is change we need. And only God can change us from worse to better. Guess what? I'm up for my 30 minutes. I told you I'm not going to keep you long. But by the time we are done with this book called The Incredible Christian, some of you are going to be graduating for the first time. You have had a moment read a book or at least sit under someone reading it and let me tell you by the time we get another book and read together and the third book and the fourth book you won't have a problem reading the Bible because whatever we are reading in these books this man's truth always went back to scripture he had opinions and his own revelations but all of them went back to be supported by scripture. That's why I love his writing. And I I know there's many uh, 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 writers today and authors, but I find a fresh understanding about what A.W. Tozer really understood about God, about scripture, about holiness, about the Holy Spirit. Oh boy, he loved the Holy Spirit. And I think that's why I'm introducing him to the people listening to this podcast. I pray and hope you are blessed enough to spend 30 minutes of your time every time there is a new podcast to sit and listen because let me tell you the Bible says uh, in exo- in, it's in Proverbs I think it's apparently my new favorite uh, verse it's uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 24 verse 7 it says wisdom is too much for a fool when leaders convene a fool has nothing to say and boy that <laughs> that is sad and beautiful. It is sad for people who don't have any way to seek wisdom, to go look for knowledge and understanding, to ask God for that new well of knowledge. From scripture, from revelation, from generals who got a moment with God that we can actually build on and stand shoulders on and see more. And it is sad for, it is, it is good for the wise who sit long enough to actually understand that this world is now beyond people who don't have anything to offer. You can't offer anything if you don't feed on anything. This is my prayer that this podcast helps you grow we are going to learn to grow slowly by slowly i'm not about to start preaching and doing stuff people do the way they do i just want people who love to know about the kingdom of the, the glorious lord people who will sit at the feet of teachers who can help you get ahead well my prayer is you understand that from a book like The Incredible Christian, you get to think about a lot of things. Like seriously, this can't just be a ride for you to sit and listen to some girl somewhere in some country speaking. It's gotta be more you are got to want more from God. Because I don't do this because there's so much more people out here who are going to clap at uh, when, when, I, when I'm done doing this. I'm not doing... Uh, practically, there is rain outside. It is apparently 5 in the morning, coming to 6 in the morning. And I'm still up reading this to you. Because I know there's very many options out there of what looks like the truth. But the Spirit of the Lord didn't, didn't guide you into this space by mistake. I pray you can stay and ground yourself in the truth. But most of all, go back home into your room to find a way of absorbing this truth and walking in it. Make sure you demand of God a portion of himself for your own sake. Then come back one of these days. Start another podcast with another perspective, with another teacher, with another script. Let's let's rub it in and then rub it to the people. Let's, Let's walk a pride heads head high held high because this is the truth people are looking for this man i believe some of you are struggling with some things that are going to be god is going to break chains and shackles off of your life by just listening to certain truths this is not one of those things of late the late date you hear about people's problems only go back more depressed and miserable and worried about how ugly the world is these are places you sit and listen And something happens, demand something from God. I do that. That's why I'm able to come back here with so much enthusiasm. Because it is working for me. And when something is working for you, you market it. Not because it is good, but because it has been, you you testify to it. I can speak and speak and speak and speak. I can't wait to read you the next two chapters of this book, The Incredible Christian. This is girl on the kingdom girl I can't wait to talk to you again ponder on the truth enjoy the presence of God I love you